Let us pray. Almighty God, as we reflect upon your word this morning, may you make us more like you. May you help us be better Christians, better people. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I have to admit, I really struggled uh, with this week's passage. Uh, I don't like to talk about greed. I don't like to talk about money in the church. Uh, People accuse us of talking about money all the time in the church. Uh, And I don't want to be accused early on in my ministry here of doing just that. Uh, But this is the passage that was selected for me this week out of the lectionary. And so we're going to dive into it. And parables are tough. Uh, This morning, uh, we've talked a little bit about greed in the past. And I believe, truly, it's an American problem I truly believe it's a, it's a problem affecting the whole world today. Uh, but I'm going to try to leave politics out of it, where I stand, uh, and I'm going to try to talk about the sin. And I believe it's greed that causes uh, people to be homeless. I really do. I believe it's greed that causes people to go without food, shelter, water. I believe it's the reason why we have people filing bankruptcy over medical procedures. And I believe it's why innocent people in the past have been sent to jail. Greed. Greed causes marriages to fail, for families to fall apart. And every day you could turn on the TV and see someone that was killed over something. Greed. As a result. Greed exists deeply. In our culture. I was working for a church once where I had to turn in an ROI before I did a ministry outreach. If you don't know what an ROI is, it's a return on investment. So if I invest $500 on reaching out to the community, what is my investment of people coming back? That's greed. It was resulted of greed. When we look at profits more than we do people, greed. We as Christians, as Americans, I hope that we look at people as our priority. The hurting people that we spoke of, people that are struggling with their faith, that have left the church years ago, hurt, embarrassed, like they can't walk through the front doors because they're not good enough. I hope it's the people that we think of. So... Our first point this morning is through one through seven, and it's integrity first. And Jesus also said to the disciples, a certain rich man heard that his household manager was wasting his estate. And he called to the manager in and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give me a report of your administration, because you can no longer serve as my manager. So he's being fired here, right? The household manager said to himself, What will I do now that my master is firing me as his manager? I'm not strong enough to dig and too proud to beg. Now, how many of us could fit in that category? (laughs) I don't want to go and beg on the streets, right? We, We see people with signs, especially in the city, you know, asking for money for a handout. Now, for some, that's become a way of life, but for many, it's a difficult thing to get to. When all desperation, when when all job leads are gone, 
I know what I'll do. So when I am removed from my management position, people will welcome me into their houses. One by one, the manager sent for each person who owed his master money. And he said to the first, how much money do I owe my master? And he said, 900 gallons of olive oil. The manager said, take him, take your contract, sit down quickly and write 400 gallons, 450 gallons. And then the manager said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, 1,000 bushels of wheat. And he said, take your contract and write 800. Now at first, you think that this manager is being completely dishonest. He's stealing from his, the owner of the, the company, right? So I was in uh, Civil Air Patrol as a teenager in ROTC. So there I am. Uh, and one of the values they taught us was integrity first. Always have integrity. Now this was at the Honor Guard Academy in Maryland. Uh, and we had to do the whole hospital corners on our sheets where they would toss a quarter on there and keep sure it bounces. Uh, but you better not get caught lying while you were there. Integrity first. Right? C.S. Lewis tells us integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. So, this manager, was he doing the right thing? By the business owner? You know, I, people get fired all the time. All the time people lose their jobs. And uh, when I went to Dayton, Ohio, I actually learned the story of the word, you're fired, the phrase. So there's an ink company there. They made typewriters, cash registers. And uh, the millionaire boss of the company, when he would fire somebody, one time he did this, he was so mad, he brought the person's desk outside and set it on fire. So that's where your fire comes from. He literally set the desk on fire. So he must have been really mad at his employee. Now, I had an employee once that um, he was so mad at our executive pastor, he turned us in for uh, code violations. And uh, our penalty was like $40,000 a day if we didn't fix it by the end of the week. We had it all fixed. But he was so mad. And when people get let go, when people get let go, they do crazy things. Sometimes they steal. Sometimes uh, they, they just want to get even. You know, they've given their heart and soul to a company, and all of a sudden, overnight, their life changes, and it's like they don't even matter. And uh, I can tell you, I've never been fired, but I've been asked to leave. Right? <laughs> I was serving a church, and uh, while I was up there, I kind of decided, you know what, I want to change denominations because I've shared this with all of you. I am not a good company man. And I just said, you know what, God's leading me to this direction, and I didn't think anything about it. Well, I was told to leave. So, uh, and you want to get even, you want to do what uh, feels good, right? But God tells us that. We have to have some values as Christians. Just like in the military when you join, uh, there are certain values. And I've never been in the military, uh, and I'm sure many of you have. But for Christians, these are some of the things, the fruits of the Spirit, that we really should have. We should have some self-control. When we're let go from a job, when we're angry, 
with people in the church, no matter whatever's going on, we have to have self-control. We have to be honest. We have to have all these things that are up there for us this morning. Matthew 7, 15 through 20 tells us, um, and, I, and I want to get to the, the real, kind of the end of it. In the same way, every tree produces good fruit, and every rotten tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a rotten tree can't produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, you will know them by their fruit. And what they're talking about is Christians. God, society, will know us by the fruit that we bear. The, the way we behave, the way we act, the way we treat others especially, society will know if we are believers. Period. And so I, I really challenge us in this first part of the parable where this manager goes and does bad to not repeat that behavior. But we're going to dig a little bit deeper into it because I was completely confused by this scripture by the time I got into the eighth verse. I didn't, I didn't understand what was going on fully. So I had to read some commentaries this week. So Jesus tells us to be prepared. As he continues, he says, the master... Uh, commended a dishonest manager because he acted cleverly. People who belong to this world are more clever in dealing with their peers than, the, than are people who belong to the light. And I tell you, use worldly wealth to make friends for yourself so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal homes. Now, what I really see at first is this manager who is fired, angry, upset, wanting to get even. But the truth is, if you really read into it, he had been being dishonest to the clients before that time period. So he might have written out 1000 but they only really owed 500 And so what this manager is trying to do is trying to make it right before he leaves. And let me just keep sure I got this. He's trying to make it right. So he's going around, and this word friends in verse 9 really means angels. This word friends means angels. And so what Jesus is telling us in this passage is that we have to um, treat others so that when we die, we'll be welcomed into the kingdom of God by the way we treat our brothers and sisters. But you know what I find interesting is we continue to talk about money. And I am glad that in this church, I have Alice in the back that deals with the money, and I don't have to. <laughs> so I don't have to ask you for your money. Uh, but we're gonna, I'm going to read this quote from you. It's a little long. And it said, Jesus talked much about money. 16 of the 38 parables were concerned with how to handle money and possessions. In the Gospels, an amazing one out of ten verses, 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. So when we talk about 
money, when we talk about possessions, I really think of verse, uh, this story in uh, Matthew 19, verse 21. I thought I had it up there. And Jesus tells uh, the rich tax collector, you guys might know this story. If you want to be complete, go and sell what you owe and give the money to the poor. And then you will have treasure in heaven and follow me. Now, is this an attack on his wealth? No. It's an attack on his heart. Where does his heart lie? Where does he put his investment on a daily basis? And I don't want to skip forward to my next point, but Jesus is very clear. Where your heart is, where you put your time, your money, your energy, that's where it's at. It's very clear. You know, the first indication as a pastor going into a church, this is the trade secrets of seminary, they tell you to look at the church budget. And they tell you where the budget is is where the heart of the congregation is. And uh, you can tell right away how that church responds to the community, how that church responds uh, to ministering to families. And I think we're doing a pretty good job here. I really do. See, we're, we're told in the next few verses... There we go. There's my scripture. It was out of place. We cannot serve two masters. Whoever is faithful with little is also faithful with much. And the one who is dishonest with little is also dishonest with much. If you haven't been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you haven't been faithful with someone else's property, who will give you your own? This is the important piece right here. No household servant can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. So for me, this is, I don't know, the summary of this parable this morning. How many of us are guilty of serving two masters? You know, I realized uh, not even that long ago, kind of when I was in Ohio, you know, God is the one for me that called me to ministry. God ordained me. God has sent me. God has a purpose for each of us this morning. And we can't worry about what other people think. We can't, uh, we can't be restrictive as a congregation. So I've said it from day one. If you have an idea, God is calling you as a, uh, an attender of this church for a certain purpose. Let's make it happen. Me and Jim were talking about this this morning. I want to be a permission-giving church. If God's calling you to work with the poor... Let's figure it out. If God's calling you to work with the elderly, let's figure it out. If God's calling you uh, into some crazy mission overseas, let's figure it out. Uh, if God right now is calling you to go to the Bahamas and minister to those people, let's work together. We can't serve two masters. We can't serve God and all of those things up on the board. 
And, and again, this is a heart issue. That rich tax collector. God didn't tell him to go sell everything because he was rich. He told him to sell everything because that's what separated him from his relationship with God. As Christians, we're on this lifelong journey. Uh, the churchy word is sanctification. Uh, and it simply just is talking about that journey with God. That the more we live in faith, the more we grow in our relationship. And if we're not growing in our relationship with God, we have to check ourselves. We have to check and say, God, what is separating me from wholeness with you? And so I, I just encourage you, uh, look at some of those words up there. Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe it is money. Maybe it is, it could be family for some. Putting family before God. And you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of others, right? And so Linda's looking at me because I'm preaching to myself. <laughs> if, if we don't take care of our relationship with God, us and God first, how in the world are we going to be effective at ministering to our community, ministering to the people that come into our church, ministering to our own families? We have to spend some time in prayer. Spend some time in the Word of God. Every Sunday, we have some Bible trivia up there. And I, I watched some people were actually uh, reading it this morning. It was great. Uh, because I don't know everything about the Bible. I might have spent a decade in education and seminary, but I don't know everything. So, uh, my challenge this week, yeah, we need to resist greed, 100%. But the end goal is what is separating you from your relationship with God to be full. And so uh, next week, you won't see me here. Uh, Nate's going to be preaching. Thank you, Nate. And, and I believe God is going to bless this service as we as a congregation continue to look at uh, what is God exactly calling for us to do as a church. And so uh, let us uh, continue to worship him this morning. Let us pray. Almighty God, we, we ask whatever is in between us and you this morning, be that greed, be that uh, time, be that our jobs, our money, our other relationships, God, we ask you to hold us accountable to end that separation, God, so that when others see us, God, they see a glimpse of who Jesus is. God, I thank you for this group of people here this morning, uh, for their love for you, uh, for investing in you and your kingdom. God, I thank you for their hearts and their love that is shown every single week. God, we are blessed to be here together. We are blessed to be able to come here and worship you. And we thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.